When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for joining Watermark's podcast series, Women of the C-Suite, where we have the pleasure of hosting some of the most distinguished female executives anywhere about their journeys and the paths they took to get to the top. I'm Nicole Ward-Parr, and I join you with my co-host, the CEO of Watermark, Peggy Northrup. In this series, we draw out meaningful insights and candid perspectives that will help you to make your mark. Hi, I'm Peggy Northrup, Watermark CEO. My co-host, Nicole Ward-Parr, had a chance to interview Susan Kim recently, and I'm excited to tell you a little bit about her. Susan is the Chief Financial Officer of Pacific Biosciences, with more than 20 years of experience overseeing finance, operations, and M&A for startups, as well as multi-billion dollar companies. Prior to coming to Pacific Biosciences, Susan served as CFO of App Annie and Katera, both leading venture-backed tech companies. And before that, she held various leadership roles at KLA Corporation and was an investment banker in Morgan Stanley's technology practice. She started her career as a semiconductor manufacturing engineer for advanced micro devices and has a BS in chemical engineering from Stanford and an MBA and Master of Engineering Management from Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University. And we know there's always another story behind a bio like that. Thank you for being here, Susan. Take it away, Nicole. Susan, thank you so much for being here today. What an incredible background and super grateful that you're making the time to talk with us today. Thank you, Nicole. I'm very glad to be here. Wonderful. All right, let's jump in. Uh, I would love to get um, your perspective and insight about your career path um, and how it's evolved for you. You know, how, how when you look back now uh, and, and you see sort of some of the twists and turns that it's taken, um, what's your journey been like? You know, that's uh, it's an interesting question. And I will say that for a long time, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up. I, um, I grew up in a family that worked in small businesses. Uh, my parents had owned fast food restaurants, uh, dry cleaners. All I knew was that that was not what I wanted to do. Um, I grew up in the Bay Area. I had once visited the town of Los Altos, which is where I live now. And when I was a child, I knew that what I, my goal was, was to buy a house in Los Altos on a cul-de-sac with a curved driveway. Like that's what I thought that I really wanted to do. And, and I needed to figure out how to do that. In the meantime, until I figured out my career, all I knew is that I was always very numbers oriented. And so my career was going to have something where it was very kind of numbers driven. So I started my career in engineering. I had studied engineering in college and then went on into the semiconductor in, uh, industry and became a manufacturing engineer. And then it, it just kind of grew from there. I went from there into finance after business school and I started within finance in investment banking. And again, the reason I picked investment banking was not only because it was a good stepping stone for a finance career, but also because I felt like the bonuses I would get would allow me to have a, a deposit for finding the house in Los Altos. So that's how I started my career. 
And then I've been very fortunate to have different opportunities. And I do believe it's taken its kind of twists and turns along the way, but it's been fun. It's a lot of learning and, and I've been super excited and very fortunate for the opportunities that I've had. That is fascinating. And I love it that you began with the end in mind and that that was sort of your North Star was the house in Los Altos. That's, uh, I love that. That is a great story. So um, I did get the house in Los Altos. On I the bet track, you did. <laughs> but, but no U-shaped driveway. I didn't uh, manage to do that. <laughs> you had to keep something to shoot for, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, I love that. And and the pivot from, uh, you know, engineering into, you know, into investment banking and then into finance. Right. Uh, That's that's very interesting. Um, And and so with with your current role, uh, you have been leading um, in the C-suite in a very challenging time. Right. Where. There has to be, I'm I'm sure there have to have been some bumps along the road. I'd love for you to share a little bit about, you know, what you've learned both professionally and personally over, you know, kind of the last year, year and a half. Yeah, that's a great question. And um, certainly the last 18 months, last, you know, 20 months have been certainly very challenging in the work environment. And I think for me personally, uh, one thing that I realized I really love to do in my job is co-creating, co-creating a work product together with my team, with the executive staff. Like that's what I get really excited by. And I don't know if I've truly appreciated that until we were all remote, until everything became through video. And so that's what I miss most and what I appreciate. And as soon as we're back in the office, that's what I'm going to get super excited by because just the energy and the ideas and the synergy that come with co-creating with your team, it's really amazing and really powerful. And you can't substitute that by everyone being remote. You can certainly try in different ways Mm -hmm. to enable it, but it's different. It's not quite the same. So I'm very much looking forward to going back into the office and being in that environment again. But I think the one thing that I've also learned um, that's more on the personal side is I don't enjoy looking at myself 10 hours a day, looking at myself (laughs) speak, (laughs) watching myself speak on video. (laughs) So that's the other side. That's a great personal takeaway, right? Like, oh my gosh, staring at ourselves talk, it's nightmarish, right? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. I don't need to know that I made that expression, right? (laughs) On forever. Oh, my husband know it. I didn't need to know it. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. I think those are I think those are very fair takeaways. I think, you know, what sticks with me in what you shared is that that co-creation is something because I think there it's true for all of us that there are things that came out of this pandemic that we do want to keep and that we recognize were so valuable that we may have taken for granted. Uh, And I think that co-creation, that team, that sense of working together for a common objective, uh, that is enriching, right? And I think it's wonderful that you have that takeaway that you're like really committed to, like you say, as we all kind of, you know, enter back into, uh, into the new workplace. Um, Very fair. And so, oh, go ahead. Sorry. 
I was just going to say, I do think that we've also gotten to a point where we appreciate more the small things. Uh, You know, I got my team together for a lunch for the first time when I had joined uh, my current company, Pacific Biosciences. I had not met anyone in person for quite some time. And then I had organized a celebration lunch after the Q2 close. And it was the first time all of us were meeting each other in person. And it was just that much more meaningful. Uh, just to have that connection and to meet each other for the first time and be able to, you know, whether it's a fist bump or an elbow bump, but <laughs> actually be able to see each other in the three dimension. It was, it was a great experience. And I think we all just appreciate it much more now. Very, very true. I I, I love that. And so I'd love to know if you, as you look back, you know, sort of on your path and the journey that's gotten you to be where you are, is there anything that you wish you'd known earlier or, you know, sort of any, you know, self-mentoring you wish you could give yourself uh, looking back? Oh, that's a great question. I think the if I reflect back, um, kind of my younger self, I, I do believe that one thing that I wish I had coached myself on is that it's okay to have fun. You can still build a very successful career while having fun doing it. It's important, of course, to work hard, you know, be curious, learn everything you can, just be a sponge and learn as much as you can along the way. But that it doesn't always have to be a sacrifice. It can be one in which you're having fun along the way. And if you're not having fun, then just kind of reevaluate. Is that environment, is the place you are the right fit for yourself? And that's the one thing that I wish I had told myself more and more. And now it's very important for me when I look at different places, different teams to join, different companies to lead, that it is a place where I believe I can have a lot of fun while doing it. So it's an important part of my decision making. And I just wish I had known that earlier. I think that's such a great point. I think, and 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 perhaps I'm I'm overgeneralizing, but I think. I wonder why we as women aren't better at balancing that self-care, that sense of fun with that. I've got to keep all the balls in the air. I've got to get it all done. Right. I I wonder why that is. Why why do you think it was for you that you were so committed to, you know, to, to, uh, to getting the house in Los Altos way, right? Yeah. So that's a great, great question. And I, You know, I think it's because I had seen my parents make a lot of sacrifices for myself and my brother growing up. And so that is what I understood is what it was going to take to build a career, to be able to um, continue to progress and then build a net worth that will allow me to live comfortably, allow my family to live comfortably. So that was certainly kind of the mindset that I went into when I started my career but, you know, I, I, more and more, there's so much opportunity out there that it doesn't have to be that way. And so I think you just get so much more energy and passion and ideas that if you're having fun while you're doing it, because you have the adrenaline that you bring to the job. And then there's just that much more um, energy and, and you bring out the best side of yourself doing so. Here, here. Absolutely. Very well said. So. I would love for you to share a little bit about the importance of DEI to you uh, and and what that's meant. You know, obviously, as a, um, a woman in a C-suite that's diverse, um, I would imagine your perspective would be would be amazing for our listeners to hear a little bit about. Um, you know, how important is that to you, and how is it how important has it been to you along the way, and 
how has it perhaps shown up in some of your leadership efforts or choices? Yeah. So one thing that I'm very proud about is that my current organization is the majority of my team members are female. It's pretty exciting. Uh, This is the first time that I've had a majority female team. I've always been in environments that have been majority male, certainly coming from the tech industry. It has been um, where uh, I've had mostly men, even within finance and accounting, whereas a lot of women actually do come into finance and accounting. So now I'm very proud to say that my team is majority female email. Um, And it's certainly something that I think a lot about in terms of how to be supportive, in terms of how to enable the team to to really be the best of themselves. Um, I do think that a a woman and a male colleague sometimes approach their jobs in a very different fashion. Um, Certainly, I see it in the interview process, for example, where oftentimes you might have very equally qualified candidates interviewing for a position and one is a female and one is a male, but the way that they portray themselves, the way they tell their story, oftentimes the male comes across a lot more confident. And so therefore, when you're making a decision in terms of who you're going to hire, you have to put that into perspective. Otherwise, then you end up discounting the equally qualified female candidate just because the way they came across in that 30 minute interview was not as confident. So I always try to put that into perspective. I put that into perspective in meetings um, when, um, you know, a female colleague may be doing a presentation to really be supportive and really make sure that that the the ideas and kind of the contribution that a female colleague may be making that 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 is brought to light, that the audience understands that, the team understands that. So it is very important. I also think that I've been very fortunate to have opportunities where I could have, where the door is open, I could have the conversation because of DEI initiatives, because of the focus of increasing diversity in the workplace. Uh, So I also feel like I've been very fortunate. The other thing too, I'll tell you, uh, in my current job um, at Pacific Biosciences, so what we do is we are a provider of DNA sequencing solutions. So understanding your DNA and its relationship to human health is a core application for our technology. And one thing that I'm very passionate about is trying to figure out how we can provide additional insights in terms of your your DNA and its relationship to human health for different ethnicities, for a diverse population, of which I don't think that there are that many studies out there. And so there's a lot that the company, PacBio, can do to enable that. And I'm very excited by it, by the opportunity for that. That is fascinating. And I'm very familiar with your company. And uh, I myself, I'm very into, I'm sort of geek out on uh, epigenetics and biohacking and all the things. And uh, that is incredibly exciting. Um, Oh, that's wonderful. The customization and and the tailoring that you're able to do and kind of taking it to that next level, like you say, and looking at ethnicity and the impact of that. So very exciting that you're there and um, in the C-suite of that company as it sort of, you know, kind of breaks new ground. It's very exciting. Um, It is very exciting. I'm learning a ton. I'm really enjoying it. Fantastic. And so speaking of that um, and and learning and and impact, when you look back, I'd love to hear where you feel your energy and time in your, from your perspective has made the greatest impact. And then as you look forward, where are you looking in the future to make the greatest impact? So sort of two questions there. 
Oh, that's a, that's a great question. You know, the greatest, that's a hard, that's a hard question. The greatest impact looking back for me, it's always been important that every decision I've made, every role that I've had, that there was something that comes out of it that is going to be important for my next opportunity. So I've been very fortunate to have um, different industries, different disciplines, small company, large company. But I believe that what I bring to the team is a diversified perspective because of the experience that I've had. And and that different point of view is important. It's important um, and it adds value to the conversation so that when we're trying to make a difficult decision for the company, if we're going to think about pivoting one way or another, if we're thinking about how we um, increase employee engagement, how we improve the culture of the company, the different perspectives that come to the table to really debate what we should do going forward as a company. And I believe the best decisions come out of kind of that debate and the um, and the understanding of different points of view. And so one of the things that I've really prided myself is being able to take all of the experiences, all of the learning and kind of draw a trend line, if you will, or a connection from my previous roles into my current role um, to add that differentiated perspective. And we all have it. We all have our journeys that we can share. And I think it's important to share that. And so when you ask me what is the biggest contribution that I've had over my career, I really do believe it's that. It's being uh, coming in, being a leader, being part of a team, but bringing my past to the team, to the dis- discussion, to make sure that we have a very informed decision that we're making going forward. And in many cases, I'm hoping it's it's the best decision at the time we were making it. That is a brilliant answer. I, I love that answer. And and I think what it what it really underlines for me is the, you know, we place so much importance on expertise, right, or certifications of a specific kind, but that polymathic approach that you just mentioned, that sort of, you know, that diversity of experience, it's like, we know when we think, you know, we all, if you're working in a corporate environment, you think, what's our tech stack? What's our personal stack, right? Yes. You may not be an expert of X or Y, but the exposure that you've had is, is unique when you stack all of those things up. And there's such a value there and such a contribution there. Like you say, it's like a snowflake. You bring together all that diversity of experience, which is tremendously unique. Uh, and, and it is the opportunity to really imprint in your own own special way. And so I, I, I love that. Um, and, and I think in a world where we're, you know, where we can be so narrowly focused on being an expert in one specific thing, you know, having really good experience, uh, in many things can bring such a color to the conversation and, and to our, to our world. So I love that answer. <laughs> oh, thank you. And I love the analogy of the snowflake. I love that. I'm going to use that for my next, uh, the next time I answer that question. <laughs> I love it. Very good. And so, you know, I'd love for you to share, you know, we, a lot of clearly a lot of um, of great moves in, in your career, things that you, it sounds like by nature, have really learned from as you've moved forward. Where were some of the um, the, the missteps or some of the fails. Um, you know, my great grandmother used to have this quote and I've said this on our, um, on our podcast many times, but 
poop makes great fertilizer. <laughs> so as crass as that may sound, I do think that there's a real lesson there, right? Where some of the things that we think in the moment, oh my gosh, this is a fail. This is a miss end up being uh, something from which a garden really ultimately grows. So I'd love to know what do you learn the hard way? What, what were some at the time fails or missteps that you really learned from? Can you give us some examples? Yeah. Um, you know, one, uh, one thing that that question reminds me of is a time when, when I started to progress in my career and I became a level in which I had access to executives, but also um, was sort of in kind of middle management, if you will. But I had the had the ability to, um, if I wanted to, to have a one-on-one meeting with the CFO or the CEO. Once I got to that level, the way that I showed up in meetings, in um, one-on-one engagements, needed to shift and it needed to change. And, and let me and let me explain what I mean by that. So when you're starting out in your career, what do we do, right? We, if we want to show up really well, we want to be the A player. So you come to a meeting very well organized. You've done your analysis. You've looked at all your data. You've put together this fabulous presentation. You're very well prepared for that meeting and you're ready to give the best presentation of your life, right? Like that is the way that I would approach any and every interaction that I had and every meeting I'd come very prepared with a full agenda, right? And that works. And that's probably what you need to do early on in your career, especially as you're building credibility. But the one thing that that ends up happening is as you become more senior, you see that more more and more your colleagues, the folks you're working with, your team members, they want to be with you on the journey of kind of uncovering the conclusions that you're drawing. Let's say you're you're looking at a particular project, you're analyzing the data. Before you come to the conclusions, folks want to come with you on that journey of analyzing that data, really trying to understand the trends and try to see um, if they draw the same conclusions. Or in some cases, they want to be able to influence the end conclusion such that you don't you don't make that decision without their input. And so the realization that people really want to be with you on that journey became um, something that I learned later in my career. And the reason why I see this as kind of a challenging moment for me was because when I came fully prepared doing all the work, kind of doing all the pre-work beforehand and coming to a meeting with a fully packaged presentation. And then the the um, reception from the audience was less than positive. That was pretty dramatic for me. It was, it was something that I was, it, it hit me pretty hard. Like, how could that be when I worked this hard on this presentation? And so then it became kind of this journey for me to realize that it's okay that I come with just kind of a half-baked idea or just something that is kind of a a hunch and that I want input, excuse me, sorry, my throat's a little dry, that I want input from others and that therefore I'm going to shape my conclusion based off of a dialogue and a journey that we have together as a team. And that became something that was a transition in terms of how I operated, how I showed up. And it was important for me to continue to go down this journey of becoming a leader, become and moving up in my career. And for me to really have people who were going to join me on that journey, that that was an important transition for me to go through and really understand and make sure I embraced it. 
That's a, such a gem, right? I think that our listeners um, can get so much value from. And I think it's so real, right? Because as we do continue to move up, there are ways uh, that we need to be self-aware, right? That EQ yes. is important as IQ, which is, you know, a lot of what you're saying, which is, wow, you know, being sensitive to, you know, it's not just about us, right? It's, it's we, not I, and, and that sense of team and, and being willing to look at ourselves objectively uh, to, you know, as we continue to evolve, right. And to see ourselves differently. Right. So I think that's a, that's a great answer. Uh, And so tell us a, a little bit about like what's exciting to you now? What's inspiring? Like, you know, podcasts, books, you know, all the things that are out there. How do you stay inspired? What, what, uh, what's on your, your playlist, if you will? <laughs> you know, I have truly been inspired by all the attention and focus and investment dollars that are coming into healthcare. Um, maybe this is one of those silver linings that's coming out of the pandemic, but there's certainly been an increased focus on um, on certainly the virus and the variants on the virus. And so therefore, what can we do to continue to improve human health? Um, so I've been truly inspired by that. I think that the the one thing that I'm trying to figure out is, and I, I love my day job, I love my operating role, but I also am trying to figure out how can I continue to contribute more than I can in one operating role. And, and so I'm trying to figure out, you know, what can I do to further facilitate innovation across the intersection of tech and healthcare? I, I think there's a lot, that, lots of opportunities there. I also think that both industries have gotten to a point where there is more and more overlap. And then therefore the innovation that can come from that intersection is only going to accelerate. And so how can I help continue to enable that is something that I think about. And what that looks like is still a little fuzzy for me. One thing that I imagine is, is maybe it's joining a board of a company where they're right at the intersection of tech and healthcare. That would be one way that maybe I, I kind of pursue that next um, next opportunity in terms of where I'm contributing more than I can in, in my day job, uh, but then looking for other opportunities as well. I think that's brilliant. Uh, and I think that um, that that quest that I hear thematically in your answers um, around impact uh, and how you can make uh, you know, be be bigger than yourself with your impact. Uh, I think that's so admirable, and I think that's wonderful, right? Uh, that's demonstrating that sort of we mentality, right? And and looking at that bigger picture. Um, and man, health tech is is just like you say, this so ripe right now with all the things that are going on, and and certainly you sitting in the Bay Area you're at, you know, you're, at, you're getting a front row seat to, to all the things. Right. So, uh, and it, very good. Well, my last question for you, Susan is, you know, again, as we sort of hopefully fingers crossed coming out of, of the pandemic now and moving forward, I'd love to know what you find yourself most grateful for. Oh, there's a lot that I am very grateful for. I am certainly very grateful for all the opportunities that I've been given along the way. Uh, it certainly has been a, a village that has supported me. You know, you often hear of the term that it takes a village. Uh, certainly every step of the way in my career, I do feel like it was a village of, of folks that really supported me. And I certainly couldn't have done this on my own. Um, so I am very grateful for that. 
But on a flip side to that question, too, I think the one thing that I've also been trying to to think through more so now than I ever have before is always thinking about kind of the silver lining in any different situation. Um, you know, here we are in the middle of the pandemic and, and a lot of what I like about my job is, is the interaction with people and, and now everything is remote. So, you know, the silver lining for me has really been the, the amount of time that I can spend with my family, especially with my kids, being able to have dinner every night and have a conversation about their day and what are they learning in school. That is not something that I did regularly before. Um, and being able to do that now and really see them grow and see how much they're learning and seeing how much they're maturing and not miss this part of their life has been really exciting for me. Whereas in contrast, before the pandemic, I was working in a company in San Francisco where I was commuting an hour and a half each way. And so then at that time, I was only seeing my kids five minutes before they were going to bed, I would tuck them into bed and then I would be back online and I would be working again. So that was a very different environment. But then I also thought about how the silver lining in that time for me was that commute to work. The office that I worked in, a lot of us commuted at least an hour, if not more. So during that time of the commute, we would pick up the phone, we would have another conference call and in some cases, it would be continuing the meeting that we had at work that we didn't quite finish. But in other times, it was just a time for us to get to know each other and, and just have a very casual conversation as we were all dedicated to being on that call together because we all had our drives to, you know, our commute to go home. And, and so what came out of that time and that experience was a closeness and, and a tightness and a rapport with an executive staff that doesn't naturally grow from just being in the office, you know, nine to five, whatever the hours are in kind of the usual format of the workplace that grew out of the fact that we were all commuting. And so we had that dedicated time together. So I, I think the one thing for me is just being very grateful that every opportunity there is a silver lining. It's a matter of us just kind of bringing it to light. That is a beautiful perspective and clearly you live it. And that is amazing. And that's why you've had to sort of be in, in what sounds like a very enriched, amazing, uh, amazing journey. And I'm so grateful that you spent time with us today and, and shared it. This is so, uh, this is wonderful and really grateful again, Susan, for your time. Thank you for, uh, thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you all so much for listening today. Along with my co-host, Nicole Ward-Parr, I invite you to check out all of our upcoming programs at wearewatermark.org. With leadership training and inspirational fireside chats with awesome coaches, entrepreneurs, and women business leaders every single week, we're dedicated to helping you become the leader you were meant to be. We hope you'll consider becoming a member, lend your expertise, or come to one of our in-person conferences. We'll learn, we'll connect, and we'll have fun, I promise. Hope to see you soon. Thanks again. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.